0: Hello everyone and welcome into the Inside the Alliance podcast here with Kevin Long and Kevin Boswick. We are here to take a look at the week one action that we saw in the first week of the AAF action in the history of the league. Uh, We are going to look forward to some week two action. We'll give you some game by game previews. Uh, We'll talk about the lines, over-unders, things like that. But first, uh, Boz and I were going to talk a little bit about our initial reaction to the new league. So, what we saw this weekend, whether or not this is what we were expecting. Uh, So I'll throw this one first to you, Boz. What was your initial reaction after the first week of the Alliance of American Football? My first
1: reaction is, this is actually football. And it's the football that we've been, you know, dying to see again. I'm sure when you were watching the game, you saw this and and your eyes just lit up. That hit on Berkovicki from the... uh, uh, from the fleet he got destroyed by the defender helmet flies off it's got i think it's the number one trending thing on twitter everybody realized football is back and there's no more of those you know ticky tack fouls and this is the best thing that could have happened to the league
0: yeah i agree boz like we talked about in uh previous shows there's going to be a lot of players out there trying to make a name for themselves we saw a lot of big hits We saw a lot of big plays. Everyone's trying to to show out because at the end of the day, the goal is not necessarily to become the best player in the AAF. It's eventually to make your way into the NFL. And, you know, whether or not that plays out on the field where these guys are looking out for themselves more so than their team, that's that's still yet to be determined. But uh, for the most part, it seems like everyone's really trying to make an A for themselves uh, at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. I know one thing that surprised me kind of going on to a different subject uh, that I liked was, was from the broadcast a- aspect. Um, so when they were going through a challenge and they went to the booth, you actually went into the booth with the, uh, the referee who was looking at the play and making comments. You know, you would see things like, oh, yeah, OK, looks like he got his first foot down. There's the second one there. Uh, that's close and like i I just thought that that was really neat to get that perspective that you would never get from the nfl so it seems like the aaf is going to continue some initiatives like that in order to get more fans engaged and to be able to differentiate themselves from the nfl enough to keep this is to keep this interesting
1: yeah i I think that rule that you just mentioned was universally liked if if you checked that on twitter when uh, they posted videos of them going upstairs to the refs. Every single reply was, hey, at NFL, check this out. Hey, could we get this? Because it, it gives you some clarity as a fan. I, I know there was one call, and I forget what call it was exactly, but I, I didn't necessarily agree with the ref when they had overturned it, but I was still content with it. So I was like, okay, you know, I have someone I guess I can at least blame for being uh, picking a different idea than I have, and I can kind of see what she was uh, doing. Too. Uh, she actually had the exact idea of what she wanted w- written out, which was great to see.
0: Yeah, as much as you want to think that Dean Blandino knows what he's talking about, oh, God. he's a good source. Who, who better to hear from than the guy in the booth making the decision? So mm-hmm. I thought that that was something that was really cool. I think it's a great new initiative for the AAF. Uh, and I think this this league is taking it to heart that they're you know, they're out here to please the fans. Now, obviously, the NFL is as well, uh, but there are some things with the NFL that uh, fans have been asking to change for so long. It seems like the AAF is going to be very, very responsive to some of those things. Um, but moving on to more of the football aspect, um, something that surprised me this week as well is that the road teams were 0-4 this week. Now, I would mm-hmm. think that this league would not be one of those leagues where uh, home and road really makes a huge difference. You know, none of these teams are necessarily in a huge market. I mean, you have an Atlanta team, but they already have the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, for, for the most part, these are smaller market teams, and you wouldn't expect uh, there to be much of a home field advantage. So I'm interested to get your perspective here, boss. Do you think this is a case where the – home field advantage really played a part or were the home team just happened to be the better teams in week one
1: I think it's a little 50/50 I, I think you did see the better teams at home week one but I, I also do think that <coughs> sorry that's that's my cat right there that's Benny everybody say everyone say hi um, but no I, I did think the home teams were generally better but there were at, on average I believe 22,000 fans showing up. And if you're going to show up, you're going to root for the home team. So you know, 22,000 fans is nothing to scoff at. You you are going to see them get loud. And you know, you go to places like uh, uh, San Diego, they don't even have they they don't have their team anymore. They have fans now. So it's it, they are going to be passionate. And everyone was just excited to see football played close to them.
0: Yeah, agreed. And we'll get into the game-by-game game analysis. Uh, we'll talk more about each individual game. Uh, but but I think it was a case of uh, the home teams were just the better teams in this situation. I think uh, it just kind of showed. Um, I don't believe a whole lot in, in some of those road teams that played this week. Uh, I, I just don't think that they're necessarily up to par with some of the other teams in this league. Uh, and there seems to be quite a difference going on right now. We saw Some teams that really really struggled on offense we saw a Mm -hmm. couple teams that were very good they have some very good quarterbacks in this league but You know as hard as it is to find a consistent quarterback in the nfl. It's that much harder in the alliance of american football now you're talking about going down into essentially the minor leagues of football to find uh, a Consistent quarterback and you would have to think that if you do find one he's gonna get snatched up by the nfl very quickly so You know, guys like Christian Hackenberg and Matt sims they really struggled this weekend, but we saw a couple of good performances too. John Wolford, Luis Perez, the formerly named the Michael Jordan of the AAF. (laughs) I love it. And Garrett Gilbert really had some good performances out of the quarterback positions. Um, So, you know, I think it's a case of uh, the home teams were better in this situation, Uh, just flat out better teams. Uh, But, you know, it'll be a big big turning point, whether or not these teams can get themselves back into it, if, if Memphis and, and Atlanta can kind of come find themselves and get themselves back together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they only had a couple preseason games, so, you know, you are going to see confusion all over the board. I know there was one game, I think, three quarterbacks played on one side and four played on the other side, so you don't see seven quarterbacks playing in a regular season game in the NFL. So, um, you know, that that's just unheard of. So the teams are still figuring themselves out. Um, there were a couple other general aspects that I did want to talk about. Uh, did you get a chance to download the AAF app that they had pushed? I did. You did? Uh, were you able to play by any chance?
0: To play? You're going to have to expand on that.
1: <laughs> so if you went on during the, the actual game times, they had a, with their app a game that you could play where you try to predict the play before it happened so, oh, so just tony romo it exactly exactly tony romo at home um if you didn't uh, get a chance to play i actually my app wasn't working so i was a little bit annoyed that i was hanging out with a, a buddy of mine who did have the app and was able to use it and it did seem a little bit frustrating because they need to make it in tune with the live game but as you know there's actually a 10 5 10 second differential between tv and game so uh, that was just one uh, thing that they need to work out with their app. I know they, had, they pushed it heavy, then they kind of pulled back on it, because I, I don't know if they really thought it was fully ready, and it kind of showed that it wasn't fully ready. Um, but yeah, guys, download the app, play. Seems fun. Hopefully I can play next week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It looks like a great app. I don't know if you were going to touch on this, but it also looks like you can see the game cast but you can actually see in live motion where mm-hmm. each player is moving on the field. I honestly have no idea how they do that. I don't know if they have a chip in everyone's helmet or how that's done. But somehow, even when you're not able to watch the TV, watch the game on the TV, you can see <clears throat> you have like these little, you know, cartoon players with the. It's that like old that
1: school game. football video game.
0: Yeah, or like the the football game where like, you had the vibrating people and everyone kind of moves around <laughs> yeah. in different directions. Um, I I didn't watch that per se because I was you know generally watching the games on the TV if I had the opportunity. And uh, so this isn't something I witnessed firsthand, but I saw the commercials during the game. I was like, wow, that's that's pretty neat. You know, if you're not able to get the game now in this day and age, you can sign on to CBS Sports. On your mobile device and probably pull up the game which is obviously much you know that's that's a little bit better than the app but it's it's a great idea a great way to continue to engage some fans who maybe don't subscribe to cable and get cbs sports you know you have some way to track the game um so i I think that's a really cool feature in the app as well
1: i did have one more question too i want to get your uh thought on this what, were you, what was your thought on the illegal defense rule of only allowed to having five players blitz at one time?
0: I, I'm back and forth on that rule, so I get it. I, I don't think it's good for football. It's nothing that the NFL would ever um, entertain, mm-hmm. but I think for the league where you have. Coaches who, you know, they're coming together here for the first time and you know, this is only a three month season in total playoffs included, you know, they're not going to put all the same time and effort into, uh, you know, coming up with different blocking schemes mm-hmm. and then offensive the side coming up with different blitzing schemes. So it's a good way to simplify the game for a league that's trying to simplify the game for fans and, and make it easier to watch. Uh, overall, I don't know that it makes sense to to actually do this in a football league, like the NFL. But I'm um, I'm okay with the rule because at the end of the day, you don't want to see the quarterbacks getting hurt. You don't mm-hmm. want to see missed bl- missed assignments, and then the QB gets blown up every play. You you just don't want to have that. So I, I like that they're protecting the quarterback by doing that instead of you know, limiting how hard you can hit the quarterback and whether or not you can land on him after you make the play. like You know, maybe get to the root of the issue and avoid those mm-hmm. hits as much as possible.
1: Yeah, I actually hadn't even thought of that um, kind of trade-off. I, I just took it as a way. I, I understand you want to protect the quarterback, and like you had said earlier, it's tough to find a quarterback in the NFL, even tougher in this league. Um, but I, a rule like that just didn't seem to really it, it kind of came out came out of left field where I didn't really understand it. But uh, now that you you're eliminating are, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I, it, you saw a couple teams get dinged for it, and I think it was a fifteen yard penalty, so it's pretty serious. Um, originally I didn't like it, but you know, you did still see some big hits on quarterbacks, which was nice and you know it that that was one of the big uh, general topics that I, that had frustrated me in the moment, but I could see myself once teams stop getting called for that and start getting more disciplined, not even noticing it.
0: Yeah, and it seems like a gray area to an extent. You know, if you have someone who's who's kind of faking the blitz and maybe they stop right before the line of scrimmage, but the flag has already come out because it looks like he's coming after the quarterback. Sort of like you know, where do you draw that line? And then as a defensive coordinator, do you draw up? blitzes like that where you know you you hold up at the line of scrimmage just to try to maybe show something and then mm-hmm. you know you go cover the running back instead i don't know so it seems like it's going to be a gray area but um overall i'm okay with the rule because i understand where they're coming from um so on that note did you have anything else just generally in terms of what you saw in week one
1: No, I mean, I think we covered it all. The the quarterback or the refs let the players play. You saw that a lot with uh, pass interference calls that you you see all those ticky-tack pass interference calls in the NFL. They they let the players play. They let them play off each other, which was nice.
0: Yeah, agreed. So on that note, we are going to move into our uh, week one uh, game-by-game analysis here. Uh, I'm going to start with Saturday night games here, so – First up, we're going to talk about San Antonio Commanders versus the San Diego Fleet. So uh, this was a 15-6 victory for the San Antonio Commanders. This game was played in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. First game played uh, at that venue in a long time. First football game, that is, I should say. They hosted the Final Four last year. Uh, But, Boz, what are your initial reactions from this game? So this was one
1: of the first games that I was actually able to to really get a chance to see, obviously. Um, <clears throat> my local broadcasting didn't give the Legends Apollo, so I had this and just streamed the other game. But uh, for the first quarter, I was just excited and, and giddy. And then, like I said earlier, when Bercovici, um just got destroyed, I was just... I, I was loving it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, that was... You know, good to see for the game, uh, very different from anything that you see in the NFL. I um, mm-hmm. glad to see that that wasn't flagged. You know, they, these guys are football players, too. These quarterbacks are football players, and I'm glad to see that they recognize that. Uh, obviously, not a lot of offense in this game. Uh, you know, as we saw with our, our picks last week, uh, it seemed like the the over-unders were just Extraordinarily high for these games, especially in a brand new league. You have all these offenses playing together for the first time, and I know neither of us are players, but I would have to think that putting together an offense is much, di- much more difficult than putting together a defensive scheme in a short amount of time like this with a brand new set of players that's constantly changing. So, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily surprised that we're seeing these low-scoring games, especially early on in the season. Uh, but a 15 to 6 game very low scoring you, you kind of see how um, You know the, the two-point conversions now change this game. There are no field goals You don't get those normal scores. You would think 15 to 6 what happened here, but this is going to be Pretty much part of the course for this league I think I, I think this is maybe one of the more low scoring games that you're going to see but you're going to see random scores I think in general these games are going to be very low scoring Uh, because the quarterback play is just not quite there. I mean, we see uh, Logan Woodside had a a decent game going for 255 yards to 50% completion percentage, but two interceptions. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mickey had similar numbers, you know, a little bit lower on the yards, but 60% completion percentage and another two interceptions. So, you know, these quarterbacks are going to make a lot more mistakes. Uh, I think that's going to be the big difference that we're going to see in this Alliance of American Football. Yeah, and one thing we want
1: to look for, look for too, uh, you know, I didn't have too many notes about the commanders just because they played, they didn't play a great game. I mean, they played enough to win. Uh, their defense really stepped up. Um, but one thing going forward for the fleet, their offensive line was just terrible. Uh Berkovic, had no time in the pocket. He ended up resorting to having to run it outside of that and just started leaving the pocket eventually. <clears throat> and then eventually Nelson took over. I don't know if that was for injury. Um, he actually got named week two starting quarterback almost immediately after the game, um, or if it was just Berkovici's bad play. But, you know, neither quarterback had time in the pocket, and when you don't have time in the pocket, you rush it, and if you get behind, you need to throw. You know, you have, you have nothing after
0: that. Yeah, I would have to think that, that would have that would be due to some kind of injury. Philip Nelson came in for, it looks like, uh, ten plays five completions one interception as well. So very very similar to Berkavicki if you extend that out throughout the course of a game So you would have to think that there's something else going on there um,
1: yeah. Oh, I, I actually did have one uh, cool thing that I noticed. Sorry to cut you off um, So they mic up the quarterbacks and, and coaches when they're having their interaction, which I think is great And you know we can touch on that when when we go over the legends Paulo's games with earlier. But um, the fleet coach, I believe there was one point where they picked up his signal and he was talking to an assistant coach or something, debating on, do we take Berkovicki out and do we put in Nelson? And you normally don't hear the coach actually think about roster decisions mid-game. So hearing that was actually really cool to see what is going through his mind during the game. And it leaves me excited to see, you know... See, see what else would happen later on in the season for big-time decisions.
0: Yeah, similar to going to the ref up in the booth, this is the same kind of idea, something that you would never normally see. Uh, getting the inside scoop, trying to get these fans involved in the Alliance of American Football action, uh, I think it's great for the league. I think that's tough as a player. Can you imagine going back and... You know, especially if you don't get taken out of the game, you hear all of a sudden you think maybe you had a good game and you all of a sudden hear that your coach was thinking about replacing you with somebody else. That's that's gotta be tough to hear. So you take the good and the bad with that. You know, I I think if you're in this league, you've already experienced a fair amount of rejection. You kind of know what that's like, you've bounced back, you know, you're here, you're ready to play, you're ready to prove yourself. Um, so I I think overall this is a good thing for the league. I'm excited to see this continue Yeah, it, it really cares about the fans, which is nice. You know, it's a it's a good change of
1: change of speed with that
0: So on that note, we're gonna move on to the second game Saturday night And that was the atlanta legends at the orlando apollo. So our atlanta legends they uh, took a good whooping on Saturday night, losing forty to six to Steve Spurrier and the Orlando Apollos. Looked more like UCF playing their own stadium there, you know, beaten up <laughs> on some uh, on uh, on their normal foes there. So, uh, Boz, I'll throw it to you. What did what did you see? We'll we'll start with the Atlanta Legends. What did you see from our team? And what do you think that they need to improve to to get this moving in the right direction?
1: Well, first off, uh, we did have the first point scored in AAF history, which was a thirty-eight yard field goal from our boy, uh, young 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 Hoku, young Hoku. Um, so making history. At least it was half of their points during the game. But you if you know, if I led. had
0: if I had a clap track for you there, I, I would have played it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, no, it, they they were bad. They were just straight up, just terrible. And as much as I saw how bad Sims was, he wasn't making anything happen. Just slants, no, no, no attempts downfield, nothing. And and you saw everyone freaking out online. Put Murray in. Put Murray in. Put Murray in. You saw him on the sidelines the entire game warming up. They bring him in for the final drive, and he's just as bad too. You know, everyone's is yelling. We want Murray. We want Murray. I think it's more just the fanfare. You know, Murray came in for that last drive. Uh, the Apollos were playing deep and just letting him get those quick five, seven yard passes, and it, it ended up in obviously an interception. But the play right before that should have been an interception too. And you know, it, he just—they both looked just terrible for two big names. It was very disappointing.
0: Yeah, I agree with you completely, there, Boz. I think this is. You know, a big-time player that went to Georgia. I'm sure there were a lot of Georgia fans there. And that's exactly what this league was trying to promote, right? They they wanted teams like Atlanta, or any team, to take the local guy, create some local fandom, and and everyone there wants to see Aaron Murray. Now, you know, I also have to say that I was of the impression that this guy would be a star in the NFL. I I really thought coming out of college, this guy had the ability – you know he still has the arm to be an NFL quarterback and it just never quite worked out that way for him for reasons mm-hmm. that we now see he could never find the accuracy and you know for for a team like the legends you you want to see a guy who's got the potential and you know everyone out there hopes that he can put it together he can you know be great for this team and eventually make his way back into the NFL after leading the legends to a championship uh, but it just doesn't look like that's in the cards for him. And you can see it in, in Atlanta going to Matt Sims at the end of the day. He's a guy who, for the most part, is going to play it safe. He's not going to get you out of the game too quickly, generally speaking. Uh, I think the two interceptions that he threw were uncharacteristic. And as he gets more familiar with the offense and the guys he's playing with, I think that's going to improve over time. But... Uh, But you can see, you know, 15 completions for 126 yards. That's not not jumping off the page at me. That's Mm -hmm. less than 10 yards per completion. This is a guy who doesn't take many chances. So I expect him to continue to start. Uh, I think he's going to get more and more comfortable with it. This isn't an offense that's really going to blow up on anybody. But I think they can keep themselves in these games. And if their defense can play a little bit better, they're going to have a better chance moving forward.
1: Yeah, the one thing that does concern me uh, for the rest of the season is just possible turmoil within the coaching staff. Uh, you know, we saw uh, Kevin Coyle replace Brad Childress as a head coach about a month or so ago, um, and we saw Michael Vick out as offensive coordinator. Um, I know we touted how excited we were for him. Unfortunately, that's no longer the case. Um, just last week, he was out, and it seems like there was a lot of rumblings of disagreements after Childress left, and that's kind of why Vick stepped down too. Um, but their offense just looked terrible. And, you know, Denard Robinson only got five carries, threw up three yards. You know, he might be a non factor. It's, it's not looking too great. Um,
0: yeah, and the coaching uh, debacle here for Atlanta makes you wonder what this league is going to be like, right? You mm-hmm. wonder if this is going to be more of the same. You're going to see this over and over guys in and out. Uh, you know, it just doesn't have. The holding power that the NFL does you get a job in the NFL and you really don't leave unless you truly have something better for Michael Vick It doesn't sound like he had anything better. It sounds like maybe he had a disagreement with the coaching change and uh, he decided to leave Uh, You know, I'm not really sure what he was getting paid. Obviously, it wasn't enough to keep him there Uh, So I think this is gonna be more a part of the league that you see hopefully it's for guys who have shown themselves and then eventually move on to the NFL. Uh, But I think you're going to see this too. And and there's just going to be a lot of turnover in this league, which is going to make it hard to predict. You know, you get, you get, uh, you know, teams playing well, you know, maybe Garrett Gilbert has a few more games in an NFL roster is looking to sign him as their third string quarterback. And then all of a sudden, you know, you don't have this starting quarterback that's, you know, maybe carried you to a three or four zero record at that point. So it's it's going to create for some havoc in this league. Yeah, and, and
1: real quick because I know we we you know we're more of a legends podcast, um, but we got to give the Apollo some credit too. You know, uh, you're looking at Garrett Gilbert; he tore it up, two twenty-seven, two touchdowns. Uh, Akeem Hunt rushed for ten carries, had seventy-three yards. You know, they, they definitely didn't, I mean, when you beat a team 40-6, to six, you got to put up points, you know. That's not just defense. So they, they could be a team to reckon with going forward. And, again, I don't know if it's just because the legends are terrible or if it's because the Apollos are great. That's, you know, that's a joy of seeing just one game. But, you know, they had a couple players stand out, which was, it'll be fun to watch them going forward.
0: Yes, yeah, Steve Spurrier had his Apollos rolling for sure. Had the offense looking good. Uh, so kudos to them on, on a great game, and uh, you it know, looks like they are setting themselves up for some success in this league. Yeah, and real
1: quick with Spurrier, just a little fun fact here, he's now 6-0 and in his career as he's coaching with a new team. So that goes through college and everything. He's now 6-0 and when taking over a team.
0: Interesting. That's a good stat. Good research there, Boz.
1: Yeah, I'll give you one stat a week.
0: On that note, we're going to move on to the first Sunday game. And that was the Memphis Express at the Birmingham Iron. So the Birmingham Iron took it to the Memphis Express, 26 to nothing. Boz, what did you see from this game?
1: So, first off, Michael Jordan, I, I mean, Luis Perez tore it up. Uh, you know, he, he was all over the news this past week. And he actually had eight, eight, eight or nine NFL teams reach out. Uh, I believe he was on the Rams before this year and got cut. Um, but yeah, he's got eight teams reaching out for him now. Um, so that was, that was great to see someone kind of come out of nowhere and and really show up and our boy Trent Richardson, he's back scoring two touchdowns. Uh, just looking like a boss doing it too. Uh, you know, 23 carries 58 yards is nothing, you know, that's, that's Trent Richardson like, but, uh, you know, he did get in the end zone twice. So,
0: oh yeah, looking great with a solid two and a half yards of carry. He's back, baby. I mean, all you need
1: is those touchdowns.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know how much I'm I'm buying this Birmingham Iron team right now. Obviously, you know, Luis Perez looked good. Mm. Uh, I think their their defense also looked pretty good themselves. Uh, But I I think this is a testament to the Memphis Express. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I know I I picked them uh, as my favorite at the start of the season here, but But that's not with Christian Hackenberg, a quarterback. Uh, He peaked in high school. As yeah, exactly that. Uh, As a Penn State fan, I've watched this guy long enough to know that this is Christian Hackenberg. This isn't getting better, Memphis. Uh, You know, better off. You know, he moved on to Brandon Silver's. He went three for four, but one of those was an interception. You know, I've said it before. I think Zach Mettenberger is the guy I, you know, I'm not obviously in training camp with these guys, but I just can't imagine that he's not the best quarterback on this roster. He was the backup for the Tennessee Titans just a couple years ago, playing in some important games as, as they were trying to make the playoffs. And uh, I find it hard to believe that he's the third uh, quarterback on this roster. Zach Stacey had a decent game, 12 carries, 58 yards. So it's about five yards to carry. Looking pretty good, uh, you know. Looking similar to, to the way he looked in the NFL. Um, you know, the, the defense, it was okay. You know, I, I think when you're giving up the ball that quickly and you know that many incompletions, the clock is stopping, and and you're you not getting enough time to regroup on defense. So um, I, I think to hold. Birmingham to 26 points in this game is not terrible for the defense. This is a testament to the Memphis offense just not being there under Christian Hackenberg, and there has to be a change. He, he cannot start the next game.
1: Yeah, I mean, you called it straight up. I mean, obviously you had some insight watching Hackenberg through college as a Penn State fan, but he was just terrible. How do you put up 87 yards in a game as a starter? That's um, unacceptable. But, uh, again, you called it, though. Mettenberg, you said Offensive Player of the Year. I ah, you know, it turns out to be third string. There's a report out that Silvers and Mettenberg are now fighting for that number one spot, and we're only in week two. So, you know, like most things, you're, you're killing the prediction.
0: So. You heard it here first on the AAF podcast. Zach Mettenberger, mm-hmm. my preseason player of the year, something to look out for. I, I, I can't say I'd be surprised if he's not mm. starting next week. I, I can't control, you know, obviously they started Christian Hackenberg, so I can't control the decision-making process. But I'd be surprised if this guy wasn't the best quarterback on their roster and wasn't starting at some point this season at helping this team win.
1: Well, you can't get much worse. So I, I, what well, my thought is is next game, they might do a uh, half and half. I don't think they trade possessions, but who knows right now in this league. It, it's kind of anything goes for quarterbacks. Teams want to find their, their guy, and whatever
0: they got to do, they'll, they'll do it. Yep, anything is up in the air at this point. Um, you know, I just want to call out a couple more guys. Uh, Quentin Patton had a good game for the Birmingham Iron. He, he had a uh, 107 yards in this game. So he and Luis Perez have clearly uh, had some sort of repertoire early in the season here. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I do think that the Birmingham Iron looked good. Uh, I think their offense was rolling. Uh, you know, the defense we talked about was pretty good. More a result of the Memphis offense lacking. Um but Birmingham is going to be a team. I think they are going to be right in the middle of the pack for this season. They're going to be fighting for one of those last couple of playoff spots. Definitely. So on that note, we're going to go to the final game of the week, and that was the Arizona Hotshots and the Salt Lake Stallions. So this game is the 38 to 22 victory for the Hotshots. Uh, Josh Woodrum. Uh, I'm sorry, John Wolford for the Arizona Hotshots looked very good. Maybe the most impressive quarterback so far in this league. 275 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, this looked like one of the best teams in the league right here. I, I think the Salt Lake Stallions are going to be a team that hangs around in this league as well. Uh, by no means do I think that this team is the slouch, but I think uh, the Arizona Hotshots um, really came out firing. Uh, you know, Jarrell Presley had a pretty good game. They got a couple of different guys involved in the rushing attack. Uh, Rashad Ross and Gerald Christian had some good games on the receiving end. Uh, I, you know, I think, I think the Vegas may have had this one, right? I think Arizona may be the best team in this league.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I actually thought this was the best game. And like you said, Salt Lake Stallions, they played a good game. You know, th- this was this was close for most of it. Uh, Hotshots kind of went away with it towards the end, but I I wouldn't be surprised in my power ranks if I power rankings if I don't have Salt Lake three or four. I mean, they even if they lost, they still looked good. And uh, you know, I was a little personally disappointed with this. I picked uh, Trevor Knight to uh, win Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, he gets sat for John Wolford. Um, I saw that. Trevor Knight was getting sacked for Wolford, so I tried to pull up his Wikipedia page. Guy didn't even have a page until after the game. So, you know, he is as unknown as possible. He was a Wake Forest guy. Um, you know, didn't do anything crazy with them. Just led him to a typical Wake Forest 6-6 six and six type record. Um, but he showed out. And, you know, I still think Trevor Knight's probably the second best quarterback in this league um, behind John Wolford. But, you know, it, he put up four touchdowns. He looked so spot on. His connection with Rashad Ross was, was just amazing this game.
0: And maybe our Atlanta legends take a shot at a guy like that. Maybe they go try to get Trevor Knight. I don't know how this works. Uh, I'm not sure how the trading or free agency works in this league. Uh, it would be interesting to see that. But uh, I'm definitely uh, I definitely think that he would be an upgrade over anyone that Atlanta has at this moment. Uh, but again, yeah, to talk about the, the hot shots, this team is uh, clearly destined to do some good things in this league this year. But again, you just never know. John mm-hmm. gets picked up by an NFL team, uh, you know for whatever reason, if they don't have Trevor Knight right behind him, then all of a sudden they're back to basics with everybody else. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how this league develops in that sense.
1: Yeah, a, a couple more notes. I did have Wolford one more thing on him. He was fast. He was just a fun guy to watch run. Um, You know, he only had 23 yards, but a lot of it was just him him escaping out of the pocket, uh, which was just fun to watch. Um, Woodrum, although he was 10 for 22, I think I counted about six drop passes by their receivers. I think if the only thing that was bad on Salt Lake Stallion's part was the wide receiver play, just in and out of their hands. And um, lastly, Matt Asiata, four carries, four yards, didn't do anything.
0: Yeah, that was certainly a disappointment thought that he would do something a little bit better with that opportunity Uh, Really a a no-name. I'm not even fully sure how to say his name Joel Got you nailed it (laughs) 16 carries 39 yards Brandon Oliver formerly of the San Diego Chargers Looked the best of the running backs that they had Eight carries for 40 yards Uh, I think you're gonna start to see a little bit more of him Uh, He's one of the more proven running backs on that roster, and and he looked pretty good uh, on Sunday night. So looking forward to seeing a little bit more from him. Uh, So, Boz, do you have anything else on week one at this point? Anything uh, with any of the games, general comments, anything that we've covered? Uh, Soon. Ready to move on to week two? I did have one more uh, note that I,
1: I completely missed over with the Commanders. Uh, I don't know if you saw uh, Mikhail McKay, uh, wide receiver for uh, Commanders. He, he had five receptions, 80 yards. He just looked good. Um, you know, I, I missed this in my notes, but uh, he, he made some outstanding catches in that game that just made him look a, like an NFL wide receiver. He almost reminded me of like a Julio Jones-type player.
0: Yeah, he certainly looked good this weekend. Uh, definitely a star to watch coming up in the next few weeks here in this league. On that we're going to move on to the week two games. So uh, we'll give you a little bit of a preview. We will uh, pick against the lines according to uh, our website that we're using here. Uh, and then we will also select the over-under each of these games. So you can continue to follow the standings throughout the season. Uh, we'll keep track of each of these for you and, and monitor how we're doing every week. So first game. Starting on Saturday at 2 p.m. is the Salt Lake Stallions and the Birmingham Iron. Uh, Baz, I'll start with you here. What are you thinking? Uh, What are your predictions?
1: So I'm actually taking the Stallions at plus seven. Uh, By the way, these odds are brought to you by my bookie. So, uh, you know, they kind of keep a pretty, pretty solid odds. And and I'll use them for all the different sports. But they have the Stallions at a plus seven. Um, I think that's. Way too much, honestly, for how good they looked. I know everybody's on the Luis Perez train, but uh, Stallions looked good. So I, I want to take them at a plus seven.
0: Agreed. Um, as we talked about before, I think uh, Birmingham's success uh, was more due to the Memphis struggles uh, mm-hmm. than, than their own team themselves. And I think Salt Lake Stallions ran into a tough team in week one in the Arizona Hotshots. I think that's why there's such a great difference. Uh, in terms of plus seven for the Salt Lake Stallions, I think there's going to be a close game. I think it can go either way, um, but at the end of the day, given the seven points, I'm taking the Salt Lake Stallions.
1: Uh, yeah, real real quick too that I do want to note, uh, and this is a this is going to mess with me all year as a gambler. But that plus seven means such a different thing in the NFL as it does to the AAF. Plus seven is a touchdown in the NFL. Plus seven is in between making that and missing that two-point conversion. So that's something that is that is going to be tripping me up all, all year.
0: That's a great point there, Boz. That's uh, definitely something to keep in mind, something I wasn't necessarily thinking about when I made my picks. Not that it changes anything, but mm-hmm. it certainly changes the landscape of the game. And it at the end of the day, it probably will end up being pretty even when all said and done. But uh, still something of note. Uh, because it will change the dynamics of this game. Uh, and now, do you, sorry, real quick. Do you have the over-under for the 44.5? I know you took all
1: unders last week, killed it by the way, but uh, lines are a little bit better this week. Yeah,
0: so they, they seem to have figured it out. They seem to understand that this is going to be harder on the offenses than it is on the defenses at this point, as we talked about earlier in the show. Uh, sticking with the under on this one. 44.5, yeah. it's you know, fairly low for a football game, but um, again, you know, Birmingham iron defense looked pretty good. Um, the Salt Lake Stallions, you know, we didn't see a whole lot from them. Uh, you know, whether or not it was due to the, the hot shot playing so well. Um, I, I just don't believe that this is going to be a high scoring game at the end of the day. I think these are two offenses that are kind of right in the middle. I think they're two pretty good defenses for the most part. I see this one under.
1: Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm actually gonna go the other way and hit the over for 44 and a half uh, just because I think stallions are gonna catch a ball this week and uh, I think Perez is gonna keep it up so I, I can I can see the over hitting
0: all right so we're gonna move on to the Saturday night game Arizona Hotshots and the Memphis Express it's a 12 and a half point line 12 and a half or, uh, so minus twelve and a half for the Arizona Hotshots and over under of forty seven. Uh, I'll I'll start on this one. So I just don't believe in the Memphis Express right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't make I don't believe that they're going to make the right choice of quarterback. I don't think my man Zach Mettenberger is going to be starting in there for them. That makes all the difference to me. I, I think with an experienced veteran in there who has some NFL experience, they at least keep this one close. Uh, I don't see. Mettenberger playing in this one, like I said before, uh, I think overall the Express is is not as good of a team as the Stallions, and we saw what the the Hotshots did to the Stallions, so I think they take care of Memphis even with the twelve and a half line. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this reminds me of uh, Alabama early on in the year, and you'd see them have like plus you know plus six on on LSU you're a fool not to take it. The fact that we can see hot shots only getting 12 and a half against the Memphis express. They have so many QB troubles. I, I think they're in shambles and you know, I'm, I mean, I'm actually going to take the under on this, not because I think it's going to be defensive. I think hot shots are going to put up 30, 40 points. I think Memphis might get shut out again.
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> so taking the under. I I'm with you right there. I think that, this Arizona hotshots team is going to put up points and that's what made me want to go right to the over, but I'm going to say under because this Memphis express team needs to show me something. You know, I I, I think the Arizona hotshots have the ability to potentially put this number up themselves, but you know, when you only have one team uh, really playing some offense, 47 is a tough number to get. So I'm sticking with the under as well. Uh, Moving on to the Sunday games. Got the Orlando Apollos and the San Antonio Commanders. Uh, Orlando Apollos, minus six, over under a 45. Boz, what do you got?
1: Uh, This is probably the toughest game of the week, um, and that's why it is the closest. So I'm going to default for the home dog. Uh, You know, Commanders looked decent last week, and if you can get six at home, uh, like you said, home team went 4-0 last week. So, you know, we're going to see it different this week, but... um, you know, it's it's tough to pass on, on two still relatively unknown teams uh, getting six at home.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I'm taking the San Antonio Commanders as well. One, playing at home. Two, I thought their defense looked great against San Diego last week. Uh, I really believe that if nothing else, they're going to keep this game pretty close. I think six points is too much. I think Orlando is getting overvalued right now because of their win over Atlanta. I think Atlanta just struggled in that game. Uh, I, again, I don't necessarily know that that was due to, uh, you know, how great the Apollos are. Now, granted, 40-6, to you got to be pretty darn good to beat any football team 40-6. to I think there's something to be said for that. I think they're probably falling in that conversation with the hot shots maybe just below. Uh, but I think San Antonio is pretty good too, and I think they're going to hold this one close. Uh, as for the over-under, 45 points. I'm going to go over. Wow. First over of the year. Good for you. Yep. Orlando put up 40 points on the legends. Uh, I think that says something for the Orlando offense. I think we're going to see more out of the San Antonio offense this week. Uh, I think this one hits the over easily.
1: Yeah, I, I'm actually going to go under here. Uh, I, I was really impressed with the commander's defense, especially their front uh, front five. Um, I think they're going to rush Orlando, get to the quarterback, get some hits, kind of make them uncomfortable, something that the Legends really didn't do last week. So I I can see this being a a slugfest and somewhere in the 20s, 30s range.
0: All right, now on to the final game, Sunday night, Atlanta Legends at the San Diego Fleet. The uh, Legends are a nine and a half point underdog, over and under set at 44. Boz, what are your thoughts?
1: So... I am actually thinking, and I it sucks. I wanted to get into this league and, and bet completely unbiased, but I am biased already. Uh, I gotta go legends plus nine and a half. I gotta ride with my team. I, I I'm gonna hope that they bounce back. I'm gonna hope they start Murray. I'm gonna hope he plays <laughs> better. But um, you know this is this is a, a pick with the heart
0: right now. Uh, I'm gonna agree with your Atlanta legends pick, but I don't think it's so much picking with the heart This is a team in San Diego that put up six points Yeah uh, last week against San Antonio and now they're nine and a half point favorites. I'm not buying that That's way too many points for this team I think Atlanta starts to turn it around a little bit and maybe you can call that biased But I think that Matt Sims is gonna start to figure it out. He's a guy who has some experience He's gonna start to understand this offense a little bit better He's not going to be taking chances. I don't see him turning the ball over twice like he did last week. Uh, if, the, if the legends don't go in and win this game in San Diego, I think they at least keep it close. Nine and a half is way too much for, for this game. So give me the legends with the points. Uh, as for the over-under for 44, I'm going to stick with the under. I'm going to go back to old reliable. You know, both of these teams put up six points in the first week. Uh, You know, have to believe that that has something to do, you know, is going to lead into this game. I I don't see them putting up a whole lot more points than that. Uh, I don't see these teams reaching 44, so sticking with the under.
1: Uh, You know what, I, I might just do over just because I don't think that they have, either team really has a great defense and I, I can almost see a couple fluke points here and there just from breakdowns in the secondary. So the 44 just seems very low. Uh, I, I'm going to have to go over on here. You know, you, you get three touchdowns on each team and, and you hit.
0: All right. And so that is our game preview and pick them segment for week two of the AAF um, going back from week one, we are going to be keeping track of all the standings here uh, from past week. So, Boz, why don't we talk about where we uh, sit right now in the standings from week one?
1: It's a real surprise you bring this up. That's really humble of you. That's good for well, you.
0: The fans all want to know, Boz, so let's, let's hear it here. Yeah,
1: the fans want to know. Um, well, it was a very close week. Uh, you know, I went four and four. I... I You know, I was very even, which was great. Uh, You went eight and zero, so you know, any of our fans who who hopefully bet with you, uh, hopefully they made some money. But uh, congratulations on being perfect and uh, being one of the people who can say they've never gotten a single AAF game wrong in the history of the league. So
0: that's right, that's right, AAF Pod fans. I hope you heard that. I hope you're listening in. hope you're listening to my picks. Uh, obviously, I have all the answers to the test here, so I would go with my selections. No, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I enjoy this segment. Um, so what was that, Boz? Two and two on both the over-under and the individual game picks for you?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was pretty even on both, actually.
0: Okay. All right, so we'll, we'll keep our standings separate like that for you. We'll, we'll keep it... You know, we'll live tweet our our picks prior to Saturday's game. Uh, You know, as always, we'll do this segment on the show here. Uh, And at this point, we're going to start to wrap up the show. So, Boz, do you have anything else that you want to talk about? Anything leading into week two? Anything that you want to talk about week one? Anything in general about this league that you want to say before uh, we sign off here?
1: Uh, I just want to give a real quick plug to our Twitter. I know we referenced it. It's at the AAF Pod. Uh, on Twitter, and like you said, our picks are going to be there. Uh, we're going to be talking, doing some live uh, tweeting during games, and uh, you know, check out us for uh, all brand new information and everything. AAF.
0: All right, so there you heard it. Give us a follow at the AAF Pod. Live tweet us during the game. We'll we'll respond. We'd love to have comments and dialogue with you. Uh, feel free to direct message us if you have any questions. And you want to talk to us. We're always looking to talk AAF football. Uh, on that note, we are going to sign off. So for my co-host, Kevin Boswick, I'm Kevin Long. Uh, this has been Inside the Alliance. We hope you guys enjoy the football on week two, and we look forward to talking to you next week.